evening. Uh, what does it say? Fellow morons. Yes. Uh, so I, you'll notice that we're down Kyle uh, this evening, uh, but this is us, uh, the three of us, and we're down Sean. I actually forgot about Sean. He'll be pissed off about that. Uh, so I don't hear that often. He's <laughs> off all the time. Uh, so Sean is away on another one of his many holidays. I don't know how he manages to get so many holidays, man. I don't know. Any idea. I haven't even had one yet. I've not had one. I've not missed a single episode. Now that uh, now that Kyle's missed one. Have you any used to have missed one yet? I have. Uh, you have, haven't you? Me, me and you ones are good. The core uh, two. You're the only ones that actually care about this. No. <laughs> so uh, uh, Sean's on holiday and Kyle just keeps every week getting more teeth taken out of his face. He's <laughs> <laughs> always getting false as an officer and like Neil does. That would just solve the problem completely and then he wouldn't have to miss any streams. Uh, we should do a wee um, GoFundMe for Kyle just to get like veneers or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's one thing I'm surprised Kyle's no go. Like, that's the type of thing I'd imagine Kyle would be veneers. <laughs> I know, especially when he actually did Taekwondo and that too. Us, us studied, us, us, our teeth are all completely fine, and then he stopped doing Taekwondo and his teeth have all started falling out. Should be the other way about, surely. You're actually interested in doing stuff. Amazing thing, Hunter. Do you remember the episode mm-hmm. of Sunny where they try to take Charlie's teeth out to leave at the crime scene and they just oh, keep wow. popping, like just popping out all the time? Uh, so, yeah, we hope Kyle feels better soon. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what we meant by all that instead. Uh, so it'll be me doing more talk. It's weird to have to do the talking at the start. I like I like sitting in the background and like just waiting for my type of fucking shit on whatever film we're watching. Absorb, uh, absorb the atmosphere first, and then I know absorb it all in. Uh, so what did we watch last week? We literally just said it beforehand. Do you remember? Oh, I've got my notebook here. It was Planet <laughs> of the Apes and LA Confidential. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we. Uh, ben from Funny Film Diary on last week, so if you want to go back and listen to it, it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all of those places. They'll be happy that I got that in. Um, and Planet of the Apes got a 2.96 overall, which was inflated slightly by Ben's score. Um, and then LA Confidential got a 3.63, again inflated slightly by Ben's score. Um, I think it was quite. I was quite. How did you spend last week? It was quite a cool contrast, I think, between someone who maybe looks at it from a inside perspective because he yes, works in the definitely. I, I mean, it's not obviously we're watching the same sort of subject, but it's seeing how different people would critique and analyze it. Obviously, because majority of our scores and uh, reviews are based maybe solely on entertainment purpose. Obviously, we've got someone who's maybe analyzing maybe character development and scenery and score and a lot, a lot more, a lot, maybe got a lot more understanding and knowledge of it. Obviously, we know we sort of from his content that he does, he's watching films on a daily, daily, if not more than one a day basis, so he knows what he's talking about anyway. So it was good having even that sort of almost professional input from it and analysis as well. It was quite, uh, I found it quite interesting that it shows how maybe this is not what people expect when they tune in. Even though yeah, we say, yeah. even though we say morons in the title, I think they expect us to be a bit more informed, but we actually are fucking five idiots talking shit yeah. about film. Instead of us just saying, I enjoyed that, so like it, whereas a lot of people are maybe, even if they don't enjoy a film, they're not actually basing it on what they perceive the film to actually be attractive, even if you, even if you don't enjoy it from your own perspective, which is a lag off completely. Aye. Uh, so, and that's, I think that's quite, I suppose, different. Is it, had you seen either of these ones? I think I'd seen Planet of the Apes. I, I think I mentioned that last week. So I'd seen bits of it, but I turned it off because I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I hadn't seen LA Confidential, but the I, see, I love the fact that uh, you've not seen all these films because Ben, when I, you see his stuff on Instagram, he's watching about five films a week that I've never heard of that he's got on his yeah. Never heard of, so yeah. he's watching things at a sort of different level. To us. But, um, this week we have coming up, uh, Usual Suspects, which another 90s sort of crime drama. This is about a theme, I don't know if it's a mm-hmm. I think this is showing the age of our followers that these keep winning votes, like it's sort of people in their sort of 30s mm-hmm. with nostalgia feelings. And we're watching, um, Silence of the Lambs, 
which I'm assuming Hunter's going to have lots of trivia about, so I'm going to try not to steal it as we go. Yes, I do have. <laughs> I do. I, when you look at the two, I, there's definitely two thirds of a page for one film and one third for the other. Aye, that's what I thought. Um, so, had you seen either of these ones, Bonzo? I'd uh, seen Silence of the Lambs before. I um, think I'd only seen it once, but if not twice, I'd definitely seen that and I hadn't seen Usual Suspects. Uh, Silence of the Lamb rings a bell of one of the ones that you'd maybe started watching before we'd done Movie Club, just when it was your suggestion in the group chat before we um, broke off uh, and had one way sure. break away. I've got a feeling when we watched it, somebody's house, like, I think it was maybe about Jerry's or something, but this is, that's years ago, or maybe just watched it on, but I, I could, I wouldn't say too much, but there's a lot that I could remember, which is making me think that maybe I didn't just wat
Yeah, yes, yes, I have. Yeah, I do remember that. I, I know. I know. You've got to be in the dark depths of <laughs> insanity for chuck yourself on British reality TV. Exactly, man. But again, as I say, like this, the whole when going back now, so many years later, knowing who Kaiser Sozi is, knowing the twist, it loses. As I said before, it just loses so much, and it's definitely. I believe, obviously, those who watch it have maybe watched it back then, maybe once or twice or whatever, and they've maybe not watched it for years, and they've still got it held in a high regard, but I think going back now, re-watching it, it's definitely lost so much. I think the plot twist film has been done so many times over and so many better ways now that it's definitely um, not as high regarded, or it definitely shouldn't be as high regarded um, as it maybe once was, and I think it's Definitely, it should have been left in the nineties. That's it. It's definitely not. If anyone has got this in their top one hundred or whatever, it's, it's far from that in the grand scheme of things. Well, I, I I'm going to have a lot to agree with you. The the Dunn mm-hmm. Alliance is going to be back this week. I feel. <laughs> but it's, yeah. I'm interested in what you've got to say because for me and Hunter, the whole twist is like we've known that for like twenty years. But mm-hmm. for you, do you know? Anything about this twist going into it? I didn't know. It's like <laughs> you might not use this probably wouldn't even make any sense to use, right? But I just looked at my notes and so much started co- talking about Kevin mm-hmm. Spacey. And for some reason you might remember know this guy. As I called the boy Kevin Kisner, it's a golfer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew it was Ke- I knew it was Kevin Spacey the third time watching the film, but I was like, who's Kevin Kisner? It's like, oh well, that's a golfer. <laughs> so anyway, it's not a golfer that plays the main character. Um, but I thought Kevin Spacey was a. Uh, I thought he carried this film. I thought he was like far and away the best, um, best actor in the film. Um, nobody else matched up to him. I thought that. Um, I thought although the flashbacks were good in terms of, I did feel myself sort of losing track a wee bit of stages. Um, it was more just like I think because it was constantly going back and forth. And then I realised, right, this is it is actually just this is him getting interviewed, um, and then everybody else is before that. It took me a wee bit to actually understand that was what was going on. Um, I think similar to what Hunter said is because we've seen so many kind of these films now, it's it loses its appeal a wee bit um, whilst you're going through it. Um, whereas if if this if this was something we watched near the start, I think we'd enjoyed it more. Um, in terms of like them, obviously the five of them at the, at the start, obviously you think they're all, um, they'll, they'll all be arrested um, and shouldn't have been. Um, so it made sense from a storyline point of view um, and try to get revenge, etc. But as it did go into the film, I could sort of see the the twist coming, which I was surprised at because I kind of thought I wouldn't really see those kind of things. But I, the, the twist I sort of did see quite a bit off, which. If there's going to be a twist, it either needs to be something that you don't really care about the twist happening when you know it's going to when you know it's going to happen eventually, or it's that out there you didn't see it coming for it to have an impact. Whereas for me, it's because I could I could see it coming. Then when it did happen, I was kind of like, oh right, I could I could see that happening. Um, I think it was it was decent and whatever. It just wasn't it. It just what <coughs> like I, I go over what I'm not saying, unfortunately, but and because. I can't really see why people would rate it so highly, um, similar to him. Um, like the murdering, the murdering of his own family when they did the flashback to that, that was like sick. Um, even though it was only on the screen for what, maybe a minute max, that did have like a big impact, I thought, even if it was something that was maybe just in the back, back, uh, back line of the story. Um, and like the end, <laughs> I'm going to come back to a couple other things, but the ending I was kind of like, just didn't make sense either because like he's getting um Kevin Spacey's getting interviewed and then he decides, all right, he's telling the truth, it wasn't him, it was someone else, right? Which you can understand. But then also I'm thinking, right, for a start he says, oh he's obviously came to him because there's all this stuff behind him in his office. So like <laughs> See if you're in my living room just now, right? And there's not much here, but see, you saw like, I don't know what I've got. So I've got like a photo frame, uh, notepads, a skybox, 
and like a clock, um, all that kind of stuff, and like a kind of phantom stuff. And you, if you started saying to me, "I somebody's called Fanta," I wouldn't be like, "All oh, right, I really." Or <laughs> you would, it would come together. That was a, that was stupid. I thought like Kobe Ashi is a guy's name. And he's sitting. He's got a drink with it or something like that as well. And then all the things I was kind of that's a bit stupid. And then also, then all, <clears throat> also when I'm assuming he knows that the he knows that this police is a police at, somebody's at the hospital getting this um, forming this picture for him to get sent through by fax, unless I've missed something. You know, when it comes from the fax machine, he knows that's happening, doesn't he? So, one of the cops, two of the cops that was there interviewing them initially, uh huh, interviewing the Hungarian guy. Yeah. He knew that somebody was doing a picture, but I don't think they were like expecting it to come through in a fax or anything like that. It wasn't like they were waiting for it. Right, okay. So the way I was thinking it was is that he knew that was coming shortly, and then he just thought, you know what, it doesn't matter about this now. I'll just let him go. <laughs> but as I was thinking, well, I either cut that out completely because it didn't, it made me think that's even more silly. The picture doesn't even fucking look like him. No, I know. It didn't to me either, but I'm thinking obviously that's the impact it's meant to have. So like, just cut it out because it's, it makes you think that the, the the people are just completely thick in the film. Um, but I, I've sort of berated it for all the things. <laughs> um, it wasn't... It was still fairly enjoyable, but there was just that much that either there was... The twist, as I say, the twist I saw coming, there was quite a lot of potholes, I thought, and because we have seen a lot of, sort of crime ones, then it didn't have the same impact as what I was expecting. Um, I think I voted for this pretty much all the way through. Um, so I was quite disappointed when, at the end of it, whereas I thought it was, I thought it was going to be one of those films that was going to blow me away and maybe like get, I don't know, say top twenty, which I don't think, based on what me and Hunter have said, it's going to get anywhere near. Nah, uh, I think as I say, um, you were the one person I thought that would have maybe scored this really highly because uh-huh. I think it's maybe because I watched this as I was a teenager, right, and this has been a fairly common theme on here. The stuff we think that we've liked and we there's loads of movies we've watched that I've thought were shite that I've spent my whole life telling people that they were good until we watched it for this. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Being loathing my whole life I've like, oh I should watch Being Loathing, that's one of those films you should watch. And then we watched this and I gave it a fucking one to shite. And mm-hmm. I think this is another one of those that I've always convinced myself it was good. And I think it's just because when you're a teenager you're quite thick. So see when something there's a little twist in something, then like it's quite impressive and you get blown away by it and you want to go tell your pals about that. Like the sixth sense, everyone still talks about spoiling the sixth sense for your pals at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just more because it seems cool rather than it's actually any good. This is another one of those movies that's been a theme recently as well that folk have definitely been on cocaine when they've been writing and making these, these movies. It's just another one of those like there's so many and then this happens, then this happens, and then he's actually him and he's actually her and then uh, everything was actually behind you the whole time. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was weird because like a lawyer called Kobayashi and then I'm assuming like they had Pete Postlesway play him. Yeah. The, the actor. Which was really confusing because and that started making me think was it, all, it didn't make any sense because like I expect you expect a Japanese guy Mm-hmm. By yeah. mm-hmm. and then they kept going out of the room to check on all the facts and everything he was talking about and all the names and that and they kept like getting stuff like they kept getting information based on these names but what mm-hmm. I couldn't get out of it yeah there was no there was no inkling that it was all work uh-huh. right, but it was all made up like I, I don't understand how they kept him in there for so long as well like for someone as meticulous as him they kept him 40 minutes after these bail just he would have just got up and left surely <laughs> Why was he? Yeah. Why would he want to stay? So I was just going to say, and this might be um, on Hunter's trivia. I was just looking, but well, I don't think it will be. But this got nominated for best film ending from one association. How the fuck did that happen? So this is a really <laughs> famous ending, right? And I think part mm-hmm. of why you saw it coming is because this has been copied a million times. Mm-hmm. I do still believe, like this is probably the most copied twist ending ever. Like they do it, it's been in The Simpsons, it's been mm-hmm. fucking what was the Scream uh, scary movie, they did this exact same twist at the end. Yeah. Um, loads and loads and loads of stuff where they do like that swerve ending that is actually the guy that was sitting there the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think it's become so familiar now that even you watching it for the first time are seeing what's coming. Yeah. And copied so many times. So I do think it suffers a wee bit of being one of those films that was like, I don't know, seen as maybe quite unique at the time or like the twist was quite unique. Like no, nobody, can, nobody likes The Sixth Sense. That's the only other thing I can think of to compare the two. Nobody actually goes back and watches that again. Like the kid tells on us, they could say, "Oh, let's go back and watch the Sixth Sense." It's just all about that twist, and once you know the twist coming, it's shite. It's the same with Shutter Island. I saw the twist coming at the start of Shutter Island, and I thought it was shite because of that. Ah, that's true, but as I didn't, I. Aye, the actual. If you take away that, like the twist ending, this is just a a, quite a shitty nineties action movie. Mm -hmm. I do agree that Benicio del Toro is good. Uh, Stephen Baldwin's good. Gabriel Byrne. I cannot take seriously as like a badass. I mean, like, it, it looks like it should be like selling antiques or something. And yeah, aye. Yeah, would... I thought it was quite good, but I can see what you mean in terms of his look, but I thought he actually played it quite believable. But then again, it's maybe not, I've not, I think, I don't know if I've even seen another film that he's been in. I don't know if we've watched another yeah. one, but that could yeah. obviously have helped it from my point of view. Yeah, yeah, he was in Hereditary. Oh, was that the dad? That's the dad for her editor, yeah. All right, so aye. Now you say that, if you put those, if I had to watch two films of them in the same week, I'd be like, that's not believable. But because of that's not my mind, it is believable. He's a lot better in this than he is in her editor. I think by the time he's made her editor, he can't be fucked with acting anymore. Like, he seems like he was made inside in that movie. But um, yeah, he puts a decent performance. I just, I just think he's miscast. Like, mm-hmm. he should have been a. See the guy who was the main cop? Mm-hmm. You should right. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he would have been a believable. That's true. Badass. I, I, it seemed like uh, those two were cast in the wrong parts. It's a bit weird. But uh, uh, it's all right. It, it's it's okay. Loads of shooting. What's the way all these nineties films? I've noticed this with all the ones we've watched recently as well. Right? They end up on like a boat or like a tanker very often. Yeah. It's almost like dog. Like, why are they always on fucking boats? Like, there's been a few people watched where they end up on boats fighting and shooting each other. Um, I, I don't know. It just feels a wee bit done to death, and that's not this film's fault. It's maybe our fault that we watched any of the same type of film. I'm pretty sick of them, and I can't. I really didn't enjoy myself watching this, if I'm honest. But you know, I would say on that as well, for such a film that's used as a benchmark or a cornerstone for types of films to follow on from. Like, for example, we go back and we looked at like, the first Halloween where you've got that wide action pan shot and Mike Myers standing in the distance, and that's been done to death. But when you go back and you watch Halloween again, you still appreciate the originality of that. But when you go back and watch this, I just, I don't know if it's because it's dated or because it was in the 90s or whatever, like, could they maybe remake it and bring it up to date? Would it maybe be a bit better? But the fact, this just doesn't stand the test of time with some other classics and uh, benchmarks and cinematography do for me or cinema in general aye it's not even as fun as like I'd compare it to maybe Con Air mm. do you mean in terms of like mm-hmm. the time and all that and that was good fun like I, I, I believe this is going to score well below Con Air um, based oh, on what some of our conversations yeah well, okay. so we'll do what Kyle said and then we can uh, aye, let's go for talk it shite. yeah when you go can you I know you can't see me can you still hear me Yes. Yes. Sound. Uh, Kyle, so usual suspects. I found this quite hard to review whilst watching it as I knew the twist, which kind of takes away the magic of this movie. I do really enjoy it, uh, still, as a story put on by Kevin Spacey. So it was fascinating uh, to follow on when Kujan, don't know who Kujan's mm-hmm. meant, so after to realise that he's uh, been done. See, we're terrible at character names. Who's Kujan? Is that the that's main cop? Aye, that's the main cop, yeah. Mm-hmm. Aye. I thought it was just a really weird typo for Kyle. That's my bad. <laughs> um, you start to realize you've been done by the gimp. Oh, fuck's sake, Kyle. It's by your bus- <laughs> <laughs> That's not a character named Daniel, just to be clear. <laughs> he's just following us under the bus because he's not extremely. <laughs> uh, I wish I was watching this with fresh eyes, uh, as I'm sure Burnsy did, which we've just discussed. So, yeah. uh, And my favorite character is definitely Stephen Baldwin's character, McManus. He's properly ridiculous. Uh, but I do really enjoy him at the role. Whatever happened to him also been discussed. He's a fucking maniac like the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we'll need to get Kyle to see if he remembers someone's life that we've done. 
Yeah. Let's try and make the aim of this podcast going forward to get sued by Stephen Baldwin. I want to uh, be <laughs> going forward. Um, off the top of my head, other than being Barney Double at one point, was it was Stephen Baldwin Barney Double? I think it's a bell and one of the the live action Simpsons one I no the Simpsons the Flintstones sorry I that rings um, a bell actually he was in live action the Flintstones and Viva uh, Rock Vegas in two thousand be cool right okay fair enough I've not seen that um, as enjoyable as I feel it is it's a bit light in the middle um, it's interesting getting to know who they are and cool they decided to do a job together uh, but well a couple of jobs together. They did the sorry, the couple of jobs they did together in the middle seemed a bit boring to me. Maybe it's because I was waiting for the movie to get to the scene in the office with the gimp again telling his story. Um <laughs> the middle out and it was scored higher, and then he's gave his score. So cool. Aye, so Kevin Spacey's a gimp. That's what I've taken uh, for that. And yeah. uh, if someone like that down, because I think that's the name of the podcast. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could call it Kevin Kisner since I was scuffled that's who it was but they did understand who I was talking about so Kevin Spacey will be better uh, we'll get a few angry golf fans in the comment section <laughs> I know <laughs> because uh, Kevin Spacey's a bad bastard it's pretty safe to cut to slag him off when they're naming our podcast is <laughs> that uh, innocent golfer doesn't deserve it does he that's true <laughs> <laughs> well we get the scores out then I'll get you some trivia. No, I'll get it. That's why we need Kyle, man. Fuck's sake. That we're on uh, discussing the gimp. There's actually an interesting bit of trivia um, regarding him. So actually, production was shut for two days um, during filming because uh, the gimp was making unwanted sexual advances towards a young actor who later turned out to be the director Brian Singer's boyfriend. What the fuck? So this wait, this was known back then. Yep. Jesus. It took over twenty years from. That to the thing, obviously they they all come. That's what I mean. But I think I think Sean's already something with this uh, underground Hollywood pedophile. Right? Uh, he thinks Tarantino's next. Uh, well, that's what we need to get rid of our dogs if you had first next week before we <laughs> before Tarantino gets cancelled. And <laughs> um, so the role of uh, Verbal Kent was always intended for Kevin Spacey. Um, I listen. As you're talking about um, uh, classy drug abuse and uh, one of the way with ideas for movies, Daniel. One of the facts is that the idea for this movie started with the concept of just a poster with five guys in a lineup. That's a um, best bit of the film for me, by yeah, the way. Five of them will stand for the start. Mm-hmm. The title from the movie came from a line in the movie Casablanca, which was "Round up the usual suspects." Like that. Uh, Kaiser Soze is based on a real life murderer called John List who killed his family and then disappeared for 17 years. Now, I don't see the connection there. No. Um, for the role of uh, Red Feet, who was their early contact um, before they started getting involved in Mr. Kubayashi, so that role was offered to Jeff Bridges, Johnny Cash, Chris Cornell, Tommy Lee Jones, Charlie Sheen. James Spader and Christopher Walken. Now, I've never met a more random collection of folk for one will to be offered to. And I ended up with the guy for the mask. Yep. That's all anyone will ever know him for, eh? being the bad guy in the mask. Yeah, that's it. And nobody, nobody, nobody's remembering his bit part role in Usual Suspects. No. I, mean, I just saw him, I was like, oh, this guy for the mask. <laughs> um, so the word fuck and its derivatives were used a total of 98 times. And in an IMDb poll, it was voted as having the best plot twist, and I can always suspect that uh, people would go back and reevaluate now if they had a chance to vote again. <laughs> so that, that's got voted with the best plot twist of all time. Yeah. Oh, get fucked. Yeah. No, not for us. I think uh, the movie we're watching next has better plot twist than this one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, multiple better plot yeah. twists than this one. <laughs> Um, so we'll give the scores let's, uh, by Instagram. So this one got quite a wide range. So some folk, I, I saw quite a few twos in there, but quite a few fives and threes and fours. So 
normally it's one way extreme or the other, whereas this one had quite a wide spread of a fairly even amount between twos, threes, fours and fives. So I think those twos, threes, fours and fives go in order of how recently people watch this. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit. Well, maybe also, the number of times I've watched it as well. Like, if you've watched yeah. it more than once, then obviously it loses so much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's get Kyle's score then. Uh, Kyle gave this a 3.25. Well, I'm not taking note of these, eh? You should take note of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, uh, Hunter? Uh, I am going for a. Uh... Five out of five. A what? <laughs> 2.5 2. out of five. I could be the same as you there, Daniel. Your, your mic cut off halfway through, so it sounded like you said five out of five. 2.5 out of five. <laughs> I'm saying, what? That's a myself there. So is that. I'm going to, I'll give it a 2.25 out of five. Uh, and I'm going to be lowest out of all of us. I'm giving this a two. I really didn't enjoy myself watching it. Cool. So, so what we'll do is we'll average up a score for now and if fucking uh, Sean can be bothered watching them and giving us a score, we'll add his in later. Yeah, no worries. Um, that watching us tonight, you should be in the comment section telling us his score. Oh, I, I don't know. Is that wrong? You've only got 40 add up this week, fuck's sake. I know, but I divide it by five out of habit, so. Right, that's a 2.5 overall. Bang on. 2.5 for usual suspect. Um, I'll be honest, I thought my two was going to be a lot more controversial than it was. Uh, Have you guys noticed that we've started to get closer and closer together in scores? There's a lot less outliers than there used to be. There used to Mm -hmm. be, like, We've had some weeks where there was a couple of fives going all the way down to like twos and all that, whereas we don't really get that as often now. I think Sean will probably be similar to us. I think he may even be lower than you, Daniel, but I think the next one may have difference of you, so possibly. I've got a feeling if Sean was here, he was he's the one that would be scared of fucking this next one up. So I'm quite yeah. sure what he's scored to put him for this one, because mm-hmm. I've got a funny feeling he might call this boring. But uh, what did you think about Silence of the Lambs, Hunter? Uh, well, I was blown away by it. I mean, it wasn't the first time I'd watched it, but I think um, even going back, I mean, even Jodie Foster as an actress is possibly someone I hadn't really given much uh, credit to, but I thought she played her role very well. And obviously, Anthony Hopkins um, is genius in his portrayal of Hannibal Lecter. Um, it's probably up there. Um, and acting performances um, for the films that we've watched so far, probably we put it as a standalone performance in the top five that we've done. Um, and I think the his character development and uh, his portrayal like, of this taking uh, how genius yet dark um, Hannibal Lecter is um, as a person is, is it's just it's, it's flawless at times. Um, and we consider, obviously I've got it in the trivia, I won't reveal too much now, but for someone who's on screen such a short space of time in that film but to have such a big impact I don't think um, I don't even think that obviously we've looked at some of the performances like Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood and he's it's basically he's on screen pretty much all the way through and again the performance level doesn't drop so obviously the screen time to impact ratio but if I was to do like kind of thing for this I think um, this portrayal would be up there um, for me as in like, as I said the short space of time we have such a big impact on it I think it's genius, um, I believe. I mean, they're just talking about something. This is older than uh, Usual Suspects, and it definitely stands up the test of time a lot better um, than the, the, the one or another film that we've just reviewed. I mean, the, the back and forth. I mean, even the bit part characters of the other criminals in the cells next to them. I mean, it's so good. I mean, it does. I mean, the only bit I think it needs to downscore for me is the... Obviously, it's the twist where he's wearing the other guy's face um, in the ambulance. And you're like, how has no one seen that? Medical professionals have not noticed that this guy has got another face pulled over his own. Like, as if it's all merged into one level of skin, that no one's noticed that when checking this guy over. <laughs> but even still, like, when you don't know that's coming, like, that must still be like a, 
Like, obviously, in hindsight, you're like, oh, how the hell has no one noticed that? But at the time, you're like... Oh. I mean, that FBI agent that found him, there was talk of him, was right in his face. Like, yeah, I know. It was like an inch away from his face talking to him. <laughs> it was the other guy's face at that point. Yeah. So I mean, take it in that point, that means uh, the guy who's uh, like the last sort of... You've, uh, you've found a flaw in one of my favourite ever movies that I thought was flawless. It's, that's annoyed me now. <laughs> I also, that is the only bit that for me, when you look, when you look at my hindsight, you're like, fuck, that is so ridiculous that how no one noticed it. But <laughs> you put a mask on first, like, like a short, it's, you can tell that somebody's wearing a mask because it's the lift, you can see the lift. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's even actually stitched it into his own skin, so you can actually, even then you would notice the stitch marks. Oh, terrible. But I mean, I like the fact that obviously he's built, he builds that relationship up with Clarice and there's a mutual respect for her, um, which obviously when he says, look, don't worry, obviously when he's killed other people, he's like, don't worry, I'm not coming after you. And obviously I like the bit when he gets his revenge on the... Uh, the prison guard come the end, you see obviously he's played mm-hmm. he's played the long game, he's always he's stuck one step ahead, he knows I can gonna get in there and get that done. But even not even that, we talk about Buffalo Bill is a deeply disturbed and uh, dark character as well. I mean, like obviously the whole I mean the, the whole insects and morphs thing, they all freak me out. I mean, that was all I mean, I didn't understand like the, the I see like the whole uh, psychoanalysis that like totally blows my mind. I don't know if I used to watch Mindhunter when that was on Netflix, like how can someone look at what someone does and then like characterise that person and they're always so on the bottom I mean it's like as a subject that blows my mind and like, how can they say that this guy put in a crystallised moth in some guy last his throat means that he's a borderline transvestite like how can I don't know how you get from A to B in that <laughs> obviously the, the insect is going through a change so he's going through a change but what does it like? Oh, as I it blows my mind. I could sit there and try and work it out, but I'm not good. That's why they get they do a job on here. I am analysing a movie <laughs> on the subject, but I thought it's so good. I like the build up. I mean, that that uh, the end end scene, but you've got the, with the showdown with Clarice and Buffalo Bill in the house. I mean, you're especially when it goes dark and you've got the night vision. I mean, you're so you're on edge. You've seen it so intense at that point, especially when he's like literally driving out to touch her and you're like how could you not feel his presence there like you see like your other senses must have been heightened to, to detect he was there but again it's so good all the way as I said it's <laughs> apart from being a borderline rip off a face off from one scene it's a very it's a very very good almost perfect uh, movie for me I like that uh, what about you Barnsley certainly um, I so Again, um, I'm, I think I'm going to be somewhat used to um, when we said about liking the same sort of films as I thought, because um, it was going to be a second watch or third watch for me. I kind of thought I was blown away the first time and I was thinking I might not enjoy it as much the second time, but if anything, I probably even enjoyed it more. Um, I don't think, even though I could sort of remember vividly a lot of the scenes that were happened in the film, um, it didn't harm its impact for me. I thought it was... Voice Hunters obviously said uh, Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins were uh, awesome. I thought Anthony Hopkins was spectacular, making you under- like, actually feel that he was that person. He was a serial killer. He was like you could a- you could actually just imagine somebody in a somebody dark being like that. Um, portrayed it portrayed it brilliantly. Um, I thought it was strange how like obviously. Jodie Foster's character's this like um, student, and she's getting pulled it to speak to this speak to this guy who's like a serial killer. You're just thinking about just somebody that you're gonna be like, we're gonna send you in a wee case. Just <laughs> don't to be setting sun as dark as this, but it was it was random that wee bit. But not the hand impact. There's more just something I was thinking about because I was watching the film scene. This is a bit weird. Um, I think uh, I think with that she was like top of her class and mm-hmm. that he was the main guy that had sort of been looking out for her coming through the academy. And I think his plan was to send somebody that Hannibal Lecter would let his guard down with. Possibly. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was still using her as a pawn to try and see mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Throw the dice type of idea. She was well. So I got... 
I was just going to say as well is that maybe because obviously as it sort of mentioned a few times throughout the film, because she's a woman and they kept on going on about how she was attractive and stuff like that as well, maybe they've tried obviously the older stern approach with him and various colleagues. I was thinking, well, somebody's like maybe a bit nicer to him like she is. Um, and she actually does, in a weird way, they actually do develop a sort of, like I sort of said, like an understanding, like a a sort of mutual relationship, like friendly relationship with each other, even though obviously she, he has like a serial card, but she's not, it's as if she sort of feels as if she can't actually, although she's desperate to get the information out, and she's told obviously various times, don't reveal anything about yourself. She's obviously that invested in the case that she's willing to sort of put herself on the line, I guess, um, because... I think uh, it also adds into how manipulative Hannibal Lecter is as a character. Mm-hmm. So he was a psychiatrist, and he's incredibly smart. So, like, he knew exactly how to manipulate her and uh, get, get it on. Yeah. It was all selfish for him. Mm-hmm. It sort of makes you feel in the film like he's there with him by getting him to give the information, but he's a console the entire time, I feel. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought the interactions with they two were, were great throughout. Um, I thought it was really well written in terms of you actually felt as if you're on a journey the full film as well um like the when you obviously see the the name of the film it's it's a really random name to actually have for this kind of film because obviously the makes it does come to you why they call it that way when she has that conversation with Hannibal Lecter and about a childhood memory but it's obviously really little to do with the most most of the film which makes it like if somebody because somebody said oh you watch Silence of the Lambs but I'm not watching that it's about lambs for instance, <laughs> it's like, it's like what, what's this? When obviously it's not anything to do with that that name, but no, it's um, it is brilliant. Um, and as Hunter also said, like when when there is the the part of the end where she goes to the house where uh, Buffalo Bill is, although it is a twist, although. I'd also I'd seen it before. I don't. I can't remember if I remembered it. If I knew there was going to be a twist at that stage, I think I probably did think that was what was going to happen. Because why would you have this main character throughout the full film, and then for her not to be involved in the end scene would just make make a mockery of it, really. Um, but the full. I can't. Apart from the only only fault I can find now is the same. Somewhat you, Daniel, because Hunter's pointed out to us about the face swap, but. Um, out with that is I can't think of any flaws with the film whatsoever and it's kind of one of those films that even though I would actually go back and and watch it again I know I would enjoy it as much as I did the second time it's, I, don't think it's, it would, I don't think it's a film that would lose its impact because um, and although it is a really dark film it's something that is you are on the edge of, the seat, edge of your seat throughout it well I was anyway um, I think it's pretty flawed, so I loved it. Aye, man. Um, this is one of those weeks where I, I really, I'm really intrigued as to what Sean thinks of this because I've still I've not seen what Kyle's had to say yet, but that's uh, going to be this has got this is now a contender. This is a high end contender mm-hmm. based on what you two have said because I think this is pretty much flawless as well. See the fact that he takes somebody's face off, I don't give a fuck. It's still brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Right. This is one of those films that everyone that's seen it likes it. And that goes by Mama, who's in her 60s. Doing a, I bet if you showed this to someone who was a teenager now, they would still love this. It's just such a good fucking film. Um, this does the whole murderer, catch the serial killer, what's really going on, people going missing thing better than any mm-hmm. other. Right? And that's a one that we've watched a lot of times um, and that's still popular now. I'd say you get you get so many of these films come out of the year, or TV series come out of the year, where it's about there's a serial killer, there's people trying to investigate it, there's some sort of incest inside there's something that makes it unique. In this case, it's that there's a serial killer telling them mm-hmm. the clues. That's mm-hmm. what makes this one different. All the other ones have got their own little unique sort of twist. Um but this is the best out of all of this type of movie for me. Uh, I love it. I just think it's so good. You've mentioned a lot of the stuff that I wanted to talk about um, already, but I do think that... Uh, what's his name, Dane? What's the main gun's name? 
Uh, who that plays Adelaide? Um, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is fucking unbelievable in this. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's just one of those masterful performances. And much like we've mentioned this with Usual Suspects, I suppose him doing the wee sort of thing with his lips and like mm-hmm. the wee thing about um, eating his liver with a nice Chianti and some fava beans and all that. Um, that's been parodied so many times. Like it's part of pop culture. Like again. It's been in The Simpsons, somebody having the mask on like that sort of scene and being strapped to the fucking wheelie thing. Mm-hmm. You see it all the time. And that's just one of the, it just shows you how iconic it is. But unlike what we've said about some other movies like that, this still holds up perfectly for me. I could watch it again just now, even though I just watched it. I don't know why. It's just really enjoyable. So I feel like my score is going to be very reflective of what I've just had to say. I don't want to we'll get there too much to doing anything. I do, um, I feel like the Buffalo Bill bit at the end, the bit in the dark, is maybe a wee bit anticlimactic for me, just to bit try and put a tiny little sort of an edge on this for me. Um, like like you say, Tudor, when she, he's creeped up in the dark and all that, it's just a wee bit like, she just turns around and shoots someone, that's it. Mm-hmm. And I, I maybe just a wee bit more at that point to see her in a wee bit more danger. You never really felt she was that much. She was in control of the situation pretty much by going in the door. Yeah. So would I quite like her to end up down the hole or something like that? I'm nitpicking because maybe I just wanted to see a bit more of the film. But uh, overall, it's fucking class. There's very, very little to say negatively about this. And again, the twist, see where the buzz in the door. And you you know what it is. So I mean, because mm-hmm. we're all conditioned, we've all seen films, right? But it just got, it gets me excited. Because I'm like, oh, this is it. She's getting there. She's got there. This is going to be the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Alan, having seen it before, like the usual suspects with that sort of twist, it just makes me go, oh, God, I know what's happening. Is See, that when, for the, the, the doorbell, is I'm, am I right in saying that uh, Jodie Foster like, tries to keep on coming into the house and he at first is kind of like, no, no, no. Or have I imagined this? No, she kind of keeps spinning it, and he's like, "Oh, I've got the cab to jump in," and like he kind of opens the door for her to come in. So, and obviously it's when it's there. Then, then obviously the moth just appears on the table, and uh-huh. that's when the penny drops. So, in terms of like at first, it was as if he wasn't going to let her in, and then it would all was that moment just like just part of his mind that he was going, he would end up just saying, "Oh no, remember it." He would have he was just doing that as part of the act, maybe or something, trying to lure her in. See, at that point, I felt like he was getting really arrogant about it. So he mm-hmm. had a broad complex, I think, because when she was in there, she still uh, none the wiser. Yeah. Just come in and he just gave her the card and she fucked off. But he was, and you see this again in serial killer movies all the time, that secretly they sort of want to get caught, seems to be the underlying mm-hmm. psychological thing. Um, and he was like, oh, are the FBI any smarter than the local cops here? And he's mm-hmm. like, he's giving himself away as he goes. So well, once he's in, yeah, he was. It was more just mm-hmm. that the door. But first, I was kind of, when I'm thinking back to it now, it was as if he wasn't actually going to water in the house. Aye, I think it, um, also maybe you've got to think in the back. If he said no, you're not getting in. That's probably more suspicious. As he yeah. was going back mm-hmm. up to yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what goes through the mind of a serial killer when the cops come to your door when you. <laughs> 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 I'd imagine he's thinking a million different ways to tank out it, and he's stayed pretty composed, to be fair to him. He has, eh? <laughs> uh, he's also got to deal with the fact that there's a, the wee lass who's trying to murder his dog at the same time. He's mm-hmm. got to yeah. mm-hmm. And they're going to take away his uh, skin's ass, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my skin's ass. Uh, I, I would have quite liked to see him wear the full skin's ass. Yes, I, I was intrigued. Obviously, would they go in full transvestite mode? Like, would they have the wig and makeup, and then the dress made of woman's skin along with it? Instead, you got a image of him tucking his dick between his legs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the, these are the things I like about this. The only other movie we've watched that I would liken this to in terms of quality is Seven. Yes. Very, very similar in terms of quality and obviously slightly in subject matter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, you're talking about the twist again, you're, like, with the, you're talking about how a twist is done well and there will be two that's up there for that's how a twist and you've got the slow build and you've got the fact that you still don't know. Obviously, we have, we have, we have we've seen both films more than multiple times but 
I'm talking about your first impact watch when the twist comes, day two are definitely up there. As long as you, you avoid spoilers and go watch them for the first time. For those uh, listening, I would say go get them watched. We won't give too much away, but get them watched. Definitely, man. And the thing with this one as well, the, one of the things where, that I enjoyed about how they built the tension, right? So, yeah, the, doc, the, the wanker fucking doctor guy that fucking he ends up getting at the end, he, his pen goes missing. Now, it's ages until that comes into play. So you, But you know, it's in the back mm-hmm. of your mind that he's got that that whole time. Uh-huh, yeah. And that's actually had two layers to it because partly he used the pen to write in the uh, documents mm-hmm. and he's basically told that it's in the file, it's in the file and he's that stuff in the file. Uh, but he also wanted that wee bit so he could fucking uncuff himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just shows you the layers of sort of genius that go into the planning of it. Mm-hmm. And this makes sense. Obviously, a lot of things have to go lucky for them. For them to be able to skin that guy and hang him up on the cage. I mean, you have to have a lot of luck. Mm-hmm. But if you compare it to the usual suspects, purely because we've watched it this week, it didn't feel really convoluted. Do you mean he had a sort of plan? He was like, get me out of here so I can get to a place where it's out of this. Mm-hmm. That's all he wanted. He wanted to just be somewhere where he would have a chance of getting out. That's mm-hmm. it. And his character as well, he actually made you believe that he could do that. But that was it. When it happened, you weren't surprised. Well, I'll do you surprised when it does happen. But it's not as if after you think, well, he, how, would he, how would he have ever done that? That's not believable. But you're like, oh, man. <laughs> now I understand actually what you've, what you've been up to. And I can, I can actually believe you doing that stuff throughout the film. Because that, I, that, you can see the full. Uh, a bit to B to C all the way through it when you're mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, whereas the usual suspects is just like, let's take a million and one thing scattered all over the place. And then it's like the Charlie Kelly meme where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Pepe Silva. Uh, the Pepe Silva, where everybody's joined in. And then suddenly it's like, oh, and here's the, the first. Thing. I mean, this is just a good movie that paces out the tension, gives you little bits here and there, and just sucks you in at every point. Leave you at the end saying you could get more. A, you could get sequels to this. Mm-hmm. The the two characters you love the most end up prevailing at the end. Now, mm-hmm. like you love one of them, even though he's a fucking horrible serial yeah. killer. Mm-hmm. So Jodie Foster, but they are linked together now. Um, you can obviously tell it comes with good material. Obviously, it's a book, um, yeah. and there's a series of books, so one to recommend for people to go and read. Uh, was it Red Dragons the sequel? Is that the sequel? Or is that the and uh, is Hannibal the sequel? I think Hannibal's the sequel. And Red Zagon's the first one. Hannibal's the sequel, then. Yeah, that's right. Aye. Um, but yeah, I don't like this, but we'll see what Kyle had to say. Aye. Yeah. Right, here we go. Uh, right, Kyle, this is brilliant. A proper iconic villain in Hannibal Lecter. Uh, one that even if you haven't seen this movie, you know fine well who he is. Again, that sort of touches on what we're mm-hmm. saying. It's been such a sort of pop culture movie. Uh, I like the concept that he, he is a bad guy, but actually the story is about a creepy cunt who skins chubby lassies. <laughs> Skin <laughs> uh, which we, we touched on as well. Uh, Kyle would never say this if he was here. I think he just... What? He just threw you into the bus. Uh, the FBI can't work out who it is, uh, so let's get this uh, genius to help us out. The only issue is he eats folk and he's a fucking nut job. Uh, Andy Hopkins is fucking brilliant in this movie. The, the relationship between him and Foster works very well, and they have a very unusual relationship where they both seem to genuinely want to help each other. The scene where Hannibal bites the guy, guard's nose off, uh, just to correct that, I think it's more like his lips. Ah, uh, he's cheap on his lips. Okay, idiot, That scene is grim. Uh, seeing him standing there with face covered in blood was pretty scary, and I'm sure back in 91 when it came out, it would have been pretty shocking at the time. Although the grimmest part of the whole film is when the weirdo in the cell night... Oh, I can't believe we never mentioned this. Oh, I can respond to He can smell her cunt and then flings his cum all over her face. I didn't know if we were going to go that dark, so I just left that out. <laughs> I know <laughs> uh, I've just seen that bit out again in case you didn't hear me. When he, he's telling her how he can smell her cunt and then flings his cum over her face. That made my stomach burn. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, although it was a brilliant line by Hopkins right after when he says uh, something about him not being able to not be able to get going again so soon. 
gave him a little job. Mm-hmm. Great movie, and then gave him score. Like that was a it was quite a grim moment. Oh, it was, uh, it was, yeah. I, 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 this is very fucking off topic. This is where Kyle Woodsy was in here, but uh, <laughs> and it's in the Louis Theroux documentary where they go to the mega jails. No, no I, I probably have, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Well, uh, what that guy did is quite a common thing in prison, especially if you're in like isolation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, prison inmates like to throw their, their semen and shite and stuff at the guards. There you go. Uh, Today's so, fun factoid. There's fun fact. That's, that must have been based on an element of truth, that aspect of Silence of the Lambs. Fuck's sake, we've talked about some grim stuff tonight. What, uh, uh, what survey have you got on? Oh, there's actually so much um, on this film. I mean, I could have been here for but what we're going to do a podcast based on the trivia and the backstory <laughs> for all of it and everything that goes on with this film. Right, so see how obviously the idea the, the, the thesis behind it is obviously there's a genius serial killer who's inside and I want to get his find to try and find um another serial killer who's on the loose. Is that it actually happened in real life. Right? The, the Ted Bundy they recruited Ted Bundy whilst he was inside to try and uh, psychoanalyze another serial killer who was on the loose at the time. Uh, right, this has predated um so I, that happened in the eighty eight and this film was at ninety one and then obviously the but then that conviction, I don't believe, I can't remember the guy's name, I forgot to write it down, but um, I think it was like 2017 before anything actually happened with that, so it was such a long space of time before they used the evidence brought forward, but I thought it's actually something that has actually happened, it's not just a... Well, I wonder, story. I wonder if that happened before the book came out, or if uh, somebody there oh, that book and thought, here we go. Oh, yeah, so this is what we'll do, right? we'll get Ted Monday <laughs> to come help us. <laughs> Uh, so Anthony Hopkins himself, um, he studied um, serial killers and convicted murderers. He was visiting prisons and he was also present at court cases for some gruesome murders to help him prepare for the role. Um, he's actually only on screen for 24 minutes and 52 settings and it's the second shortest to ever win an Academy Award for Best Actor in the Leading Role. Um, the shortest was uh, David Niven in the film called Separate Tables from 1958 at a time of 23 minutes and 39 seconds. Um, the real-life FBI Behavioural Science Division assisted with the making of the movie. Um, the production also received full blessings from the FBI as they hoped it would encourage more female candidates to apply for the FBI. Um, the budget was recouped within the first week of release from the film. Also, we're talking about the novel. So Gene Hackman bought the rights to the novel and he planned to direct the film and play either Lecter or Crawford, um, but he withdrew from the idea after watching a clip of himself in the film Mississippi Burning, and he was uneasy um, with him playing a more violent role. But whilst he held the rights for the film, Jodie Foster, in a completely different, read the book and wanted to buy the film rights from it, but she couldn't because Gene Hackman already owned them. Uh-huh. Um, the slurping noise was actually... Uh, spontaneously done during filming and they kept it in because it added an extra layer to the character and there's actually only four scenes in the whole film with Hopkins and Foster so four scenes and the, the impact again I thought it's just it's genius that is, that's all yeah, I can add on to that because I mentioned it seeing how much enjoyed their scenes together I thought it was a lot more yeah. than that but I was like you say it just shows how, how impactful they are and how you can actually yeah. remember them uh, it's one of those movies I can remember every single bit of all of their scenes together. That's, mm-hmm. Ever since the first time I watched this, it's sort of stuck for me. Um, such a good movie. Well done, Dubs. We should, we should give them a shout out. Yeah, yeah. we will indeed. Uh, so let's do scores. Will we go Kyle first? Yeah, and you go. All right, let's get Mr. Kyle's in. Kyle gave it oh, a 4.25 for Kyle. What about you, Hunter? Um... 4.5 for me. Burns it? Uh, a 5 for me. Uh, a 4.75 for me. It's easy, I can figure that one out. That's a 4.63 overall. Nice. Uh, we don't have Kyle here to tell us where that falls. But, uh... oh, yeah, it did drop a couple of messages in from before. So I don't know if he's if he's listening, he'll get uh, the analytics in for us to know. 
He has that. I've got a quote here, so he was going back to the usual suspects. So he says that that um, is 67th in our leaderboard and it's joint with Drive and Marriage, Ma- Drive, Marriage Story and Wreck It Ralph. Which this one goes then. He's worried right over this one, Falls. Oh, yeah. 4.63, yeah. So, yeah, 4.63 will put this fourth. Ahead of seven by point three. So seven got Good a four shout. six. And this got a four point six three. So what's above that again? Can you mind me what's I'm sorry you've got there? Uh, it's a Spider Man, Father Sight, and uh, Goodfellas. All right, okay. I see I'd probably actually have this probably I'd probably have this and Parasite as a top two. I'd I'd try to get uh, Spider Man sorry to member by Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> That's my one regret of this whole last series when we got to the hundred yeah. numbers. I got too carried away in the excitement to go to the cinema to see Spider Man, and I gave it to. Mm-hmm. It was too buzzing, and uh, I got carried away. Yeah, so um, Kyle has just dropped in. He's just got to give us a full spin the news, so we can find out what we're going to be reviewing for the next number one, which I believe will be the twenty eighth of February. No, we're on next week, are we? Our next, I so we'll next be reviewing week. on the twenty eighth of February. Oh. Uh, before you do that, Kyle, I'll just reveal the movies that we're watching next week, which is going to be Reservoir Dogs and Dead Poets Society from uh, Hunter's Picks. Yeah. Were, were you quite surprised? I was surprised with these ones. What did you think? I was surprised with Reservoir Dogs. I, I really, that was one of those. That, I see we've just chucked a film in just like because it's, oh, it's shown in the popular on Netflix or whatever. I've chucked it in and I don't know. I, I do think we do have a lot of Tarantino fans on the social because they always seem to even I think when my, my first choices way back when when we no longer started and even if it once upon a time in Hollywood, I'm pretty sure I got to a semi-final or a final. It always seemed to score well. Dead Poet Society was the one that I was most surprised with because yeah. I did not have our um, fans liking that so much. I mean, there was some other stuff, but I not downgrading the film at all uh, from what I remember obviously I'm not going to go into too much of the review at the time, but it was just um, reviewing the scoring but I believe there probably are stronger films on it but again it's a lot I don't know if there's maybe uh, well obviously uh, not a nostalgia but obviously I don't think we've done anything with Robin Williams in it have we? Uh, I was just trying to think I don't think we have I'll be quite uh, I'm interested in what people have to say about you, I think, I'm assuming you've seen neither of these Burns I don't think so like I've, I might have seen Reservoir Dogs, but I need to watch it to remind myself. If I have. I don't think I, I don't think I've seen either though. If there's if there is one, it would be that though. Obviously, I was I wasn't surprised about Reservoir Dogs. So I kind of because it's been on that often. For what I remember, it's always got quite close to winning. It was going yeah. to win win soon. So now I'm quite looking forward to these two. I am interested in Sean getting another Tarantino, but I think this one's a wee bit different. I'm hoping that he'll quite like this compared to his thoughts on the more over the top ones. But. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm assuming Kyle's still lurking in the background, so can you uh, spin the wheel for us and give us some sort of signal to say that you're doing it? <laughs> I'm assuming he's going to spin the wheel. He's doing it now. Yeah, I've got the yeah. WhatsApp's opening in my phone post. He's doing it, so I can see he's doing it now. I have got it. I have, uh, can see it here as well. So Here we go. Yeah. This is better. See, no, see, no, even though we don't normally see it. Aye, like people watching can see it. We can't see it. Actress, I believe that is. Aye, so it's a V's, it says V's actress, which I assume means that we pick eight films, or depending on how many we want to pick, but. Yeah, because I have to pick eight actresses with two films each, or we could pick four actresses with four films each. We can discuss that offline, but uh, yeah. we're see against each other, so really strong female performances we're going for here. Yeah, yeah, good. But uh, so I just off the top of my head, we want people like Francis McDormand and like, mm-hmm. um, what's her name? Oh, who's the one that's in? No, so I can't remember any women's fucking actors. So fuck it, we'll for the next. Viva Famicia for Bumsy Kyle. So also, Kyle, if you're listening to me, I'm going to to say goodbye to everyone. While I do that, obviously go on Instagram, uh, listen to us on Spotify, watch us on Twitch. 
Where else are we? Apple Podcasts, Audible, all that shit. Yeah. Uh, aye. Count us out, Kyle. We're just going to go silent until it's time to go off. Mm-hmm. This will be uh, the yeah. Thanks for filling in, filling in the breach tonight, Daniel, as well. Yeah. Let's just uh, keep talking until the sound goes off, because <laughs> I feel like that'll be a nice awkward end to the podcast. <laughs> just like, like I randomly cut to black like the end of Sopranos when we don't know what it's actually going to end. Aye. Or, or Kyle might just uh, wind us up and keep it going for ages so we don't know. Yeah. I don't even know if folk are watching just now. I know. We need to know what the safe point is to start talking about the proper dodgy subjects that we talk about off stream. Exactly. I, if, uh, if that's what we say on, on stream, imagine what we say off stream. Say. I know. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll get Sean's scores and we'll put them, we'll adjust the scores for Instagram as well. Once he actually watches the films, if he does ever. This is a. Uh, I feel like Kyle's just going to keep it on. Just to wipe I think he is. Like as well, he doesn't actually. He's. Because I thought he's obviously got his camera turned off here, but I thought you people could actually see him there. But it's as if he's leaving on the stream, which I didn't realize. It's been your turn here. Hang on. <laughs> so, uh, Burnsy, Dead Poet Society is about like. The ghost of Robert Burns and some other old poets that <laughs> gather around in an old university hall and share old yeah. stories. All right, okay. Oh, I've definitely it's not like seen a, it. It's like a more <laughs> of you in poetry. <laughs> it's, not, it's not actually about that, Burns. I, just, uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a look.